0: The no. Youthscape Podcast. The
1: Podcast. Well, hello and welcome back to Podcast World. We are up in a tower um, and we've got the fans going because today, while we're recording, it's very hot. You might be listening to this in the pouring rain if you are. We're so sorry. Martin, you can crash in it. Any moment. No, no, I'm just going to carry on going. <laughs> Do you know what, listener? We thought today that we would start, get this, hold on to your chair. We're going to mess up the programme and we're starting with the game. Oh,
0: oh my goodness! Wow. Starting with the game. I don't know if we're ready for this level I of change. I don't know if
1: we're ready for this level of change. But we're going to start with the word game, which in a nutshell is Martin. What is the word game? The, the
0: word game is uh, we have a drop-in centre downstairs... Uh, at the bottom of the tower.
1: Yeah, I think everyone knows what the game is. So let's just go. With the... <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <You didn't care. laughs> All right. I think I might lead. Bye. <laughs> there's
0: a there's a drop in centre, and you know they might be listening for the first time. They might be. They're probably not Whoa. listening anymore, thanks Whoa. to your bullying. <laughs> so they they uh, they they the youth workers down there they find out the latest street slang, and then they the uh, they test it out. On us, yes, and uh, and then we we fumble with about trying to
1: varying <laughs> levels explain what it means
0: in standard English.
1: Play at home, people. Play at home. So
0: it's Helen this week uh, with the word word. Challenge. Word. word 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 word. We're
1: gonna go with splash today. Splash is our word of today. I think splash is something to do with like splashing your cash, like showing off. Oh, so like you got your nice new sneakers and your new trainers. Yeah. And you're kind of like, I'm just splashing, yeah, I'm splashing myself. Okay.
0: Well, given how wrong we were last time, <laughs> um, with the whole trapping uh, oh incident, I, I think I'm going to go completely out there, mm-hmm. and I think uh, splash is uh, is a kind of a, a phrase now. It's a word that's been slightly disconnected from its, its uh, standard English usage, and... Uh, that guy is Splash. That's what you say. You say, that girl is Splash. That right. guy is Splash. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if you're Splash, yeah, I, I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah. If you're Splash, then you are really fit. You're really right. good looking. okay. Really fit. That guy is Splash. He's Splash looking. I, Rachel and Martin are Splash.
1: I really hope that I you hope are that. not right. I'm not right.
0: I'm definitely not okay. right.
1: Okay, this is the answer. Splash means to punch someone. So to use it in a sentence, I would say, "Mate, I'm totally gonna splash him." What? We didn't, we didn't get that yeah. at all. So no, At the is. moment, we don't understand anything to do with violence or no. drugs. Yet again, head in hands. Did you get that, listener?
0: Yeah. I think
1: people should tell us. They should email us.
0: Splash someone.
1: What is our email address? If someone gets uh, it right. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's it's, uh, it's podcast at youthscape.co.uk.
1: I think if you are sat there like smugly, like I always get these right. Yeah. Then. Yeah, actually, we want you to come and play this game yes. with us. Don't, yes. don't care where you live in, in the globe, we have not got a budget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we've got a half packet of tree balls sat next to the mic. Get here and play this game with us because we are appalling at this. Yeah, yeah.
0: Can I just make a case for my one? I, <laughs> I think the idea that, that changing, you know, that guy looks fit or that, I think we need new language for that because it always feels oh. a bit unpleasant that fit oh,
1: okay. so I
0: think we should actually introduce some
1: new words new words
0: so I I think splash let's redeem splash
1: okay. let's not make it Producer mean choose to Rachel you are splash and yeah. you can splash Martin if you want to so I think we we bo- both uses in that we can't sentence. mean two things oh, yeah it's fine it's fine,
0: fine. <laughs> we're not very good at this uh, it's podcast at youthscape.co.uk do you know Martin
1: the other day I was um I was just reflecting on... There's one conversation that I've not had with a young person for probably about 18 months to two years. Okay. And it's the conversation that, on one level, I most dread. And it's the one where a teenage girl says to me, Rachel, can I talk to you? I think I'm pregnant. Mm. And it wasn't until fairly recently that I'd realised I've not had that conversation with a young person for a couple of years. Mm. Um, which is bizarre, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and presumably that... that uh, lines up with the, the, the statistics yes. we've seen about yeah. uh, uh, quite a Falling rapid fall teenage, in pregnancy. In teenage pregnancy. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Now, of course, there are lots of youth workers around the country listening to this saying, well, actually, I, I had that conversation yesterday. But it, I was just reflecting on how it, it is the conversation that I dread, not because I think, oh, my goodness, what have you done, you silly girl, or anything yeah. like that, yeah. but just... That overwhelming sense of this is enormous Mm, for a young person mm. to face and often they feel completely isolated. Often the guy is... Um, he might be really supportive, he might be really involved, or he might be nowhere to be seen. Sure, but yeah. all the focus is on
0: yeah, of what the
1: girl has done and whether she's been a silly girl yeah, and why yeah. did she use protection and all this sort yes, of stuff. And yeah. just how very complicated it is in terms of education and
0: yeah, yeah.
1: all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, You're aware there's
0: an awful lot of social stigma that is going to mm. head their way. Whatever happens, however well this goes, if you're mm. a teenager who's pregnant, there is there are going to be people, often people in the church, mm. who are going to say the absolutely the worst mm. thing and they're going to be judgmental, and then that young person is going to face some stuff that they otherwise wouldn't. So of course there's going to be a sense, Mm. as much as we should celebrate new life, of course we should, um, there's going to be a sense of a little bit of grieving on your part as a youth worker.
1: Absolutely, because nothing says this person's had sex quite like becoming pregnant. No. And I think Mm. that's the issue, isn't it? I think suddenly it brings into sharp relief. Yeah, young people are having sex, some Mm. young people are having sex. Um, and I think that's the, that suddenly a church is faced with not only do we have a pregnant mm, teenager and all that mm. goes with that, but we have a young person who is sexually active. Yeah, and, and then all yeah. that kind of preconceived ideas and judgment.
0: Well, I had this experience growing up. Obviously, I didn't uh, Get become pregnant, pregnant myself. <laughs> uh, but there was a, a, a girl in my youth group, mm. a good friend of mine, who um, surprised us all because we had absolutely no idea she even had a boyfriend or had even had a boyfriend. But, um you know, she uh, announced that she was pregnant. Yeah. And uh, and I watched this kind of unfold firsthand. Um, and actually, we had phenomenal youth workers. We had a pretty good church, uh, largely speaking. The older ones really struggled with it. The, the younger mm. people were much better. But I actually then interviewed her just a, a, a few weeks ago for a, wow. an article in, in Youth Work Magazine, wow. which went in the July issue. Brilliant. Um, which which uh, you can probably still get online, actually. Mm. It's on the youth, uh, premier Youth and Children's Work website. Uh, and um, and I had a conversation with her about that experience and she she had really mixed memories of it so obviously loves her children has uh, you know mm. has, has wonderful uh, grown up children who've, who've grown up to be amazing mm. um, uh, but she said at the time it was really tough because some of the things that people would say to her just you think this is a 16 yeah. year old girl yes and 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 people you know adults grown experienced adults walking up to them and saying how could you be so stupid oh. You know, in a church context, mm-hmm. how could you mm-hmm. be so stupid? Could didn't you use protection? Mm. Didn't you know this would happen? All those sorts of questions. I can't I can't possibly see a situation where that is a helpful mm, response.
1: Absolutely, master. So absolutely. I, and okay, that
0: was twenty years ago. I would I would wager that today that is still the experience of girls in that in that position. And, and we do have to educate. We still mm. have to educate our churches. Actually, as youth workers, we've probably got a leading role in mm-hmm. this. We have to educate our churches on how to respond to something like this. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just the, the, um, the pregnancy thing. There'll be other uh, visible yes. things that, yes. that, that will show that a young person is has uh, done something which the congregation might regard as messing yes. up.
1: Well, I, I remember years ago when I started Romance Academy, I was working out of a church in North London who very, very kindly hosted Romance Academy. Um, and I remember lots of girls being referred to our project from local schools and girls in our um, community-based work in the church And a number of girls got pregnant. Mm. Um, It just so happened that there just seemed to be lots of young people who were getting pregnant and and coming to us. And I remember a church leader saying to me, Rachel, since, since you've been a youth worker here, we've had more teenage pregnancies. And I remember saying to this leader, no, no, we haven't had more teenage conceptions. We've had more live births. Because whereas before these girls may have thought the only option is termination. Mm. These girls are able to make different choices because of the network mm. around them. And there was a really mm. interesting question around, actually, when we're doing our job properly as churches and we're allowing young people to... to to be honest and real with us and we are going to be safe for them, Mm. actually we're going to be seeing more about the stuff that they're dealing Mm. with all the Mm. time. They're going to bring that to us. Um, I remember some romance academies, young people coming to romance academy and sort of testing out the leaders and when they Mm. found the leaders are safe saying, actually I am pregnant, Um, but I came to this project because I thought you might be someone that would be a safe person. So it is a lot of change. I suppose Mm. the subtlety of it for us as youth workers is that when a young person says to us, I think I'm pregnant... Our heart goes to them and, and, and we, we want to just be in that space, advocate for them, help them know they have more choices than often they think they have and they can slow down a little bit with mm. the time, they can think a bit for themselves. But we're so conscious, aren't we, of those young people in our peripheral vision mm. who are sort of watching all of this from the edges and who might be very vulnerable. They might be young people, I'm going to use the horrible word, issues in inverted commas, who might not have any presenting issues. So they mm. don't always mm. get our attention as youth mm. leaders. Mm. But We're just conscious that that actually they are potentially seeing, oh, actually, maybe I could do that too. And, and just, so I think it's a real challenge because I think we want to get this right, but there's so many potential pitfalls, but I think we've got to be loving, haven't we?
0: Uh, well, we yeah, we do. Absolutely. Can I tell you the most interesting and surprising thing that happened when I talked to uh, the girl who I grew up with uh, recently about her experience? She said, she said, uh, fascinatingly, about the issue of uh, sexual sin. Mm. She said, um... Absolutely, when you um, uh, tell somebody, tell your youth worker, tell the church mm. um, that, that you're pregnant, that is the absolute worst time mm. to start talking
1: Absolutely. about sexual
0: sin. Sexual Absolutely. Act, but the interesting thing is, as the girl, she did want, at some point, to have that conversation. Wow. Down the line, possibly even after the birth, probably yeah. before the birth, actually, just to process it to essentially process, just yeah. just uh, safely get closure on that mm. part of the story because as a christian she's carrying a lot of mm. guilt and shame and you know and that's been projected onto her by other people as much as from within and uh, and she's trying to make sense of it and actually the re- she said the really loving thing is to sit down and and have that what gently amazing. have that conversation an and and allow them mm. to come before god and say I, you know I'm mm. sorry this has happened I'm mm. sorry for my part in it for the mistake part mm. of it um, forgive me you know and let's move on mm. um, and I found that fascinating because we well, I think what we currently do is we sort of jump from one end to one end or the other yes as so if, it's either judgment yes
1: that's right yeah, yes. or
0: it's, it's yes. we mustn't yes. we mustn't talk no, absolutely about all not those soon. things yeah. so I think what was interesting to was someone who's in actually walked through it yeah. she wants. She actually wanted to yeah. find a middle way. and ball. the
1: very tricky conversation around terminations as well there's yeah. young people who I who are in their twenties now, who's still on certain days in the year, wants yeah. to connect with me, and we just go yeah. and sit and light a candle. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. The loving thing is to allow people to face with God what what's been going on, yeah. and abs- absolutely, let's not be afraid to uh, to respond in these ways. Beautiful. You connected with uh, an incredible woman, yeah, who has lots to say around. Teen pregnancy, but also a lot more stuff as oh, well, which we'll yeah. pick up afterwards. So get ready, ladies and gentlemen, for Martin's interview with the outstanding Jandela Benson. The Youthscape Podcast.
0: Well, Jandela, thank you so much for coming on to the Youthscape podcast. It's
2: my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: Um, some people listening to this will have uh, met you before in different places. Uh, they might have read your blog. They might have seen you speaking at the Youth Work Summit a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah. just just give us an introduction to the world of Gendella, because you do so many different things, don't you?
2: Um, yeah, I do quite a bit. Um, so I, I guess at the moment I'm primarily a writer, but I've also been producing some films recently, and I also do photography, and I do some like speaking events as well. So those kind of tend to be the main domains that you might find me in.
0: Yeah, and you're you're quite an activist. It would be quite fair to say you're uh, you have some opinions. <laughs> Just a few. Quite opinionated. <laughs> Um, yeah. But but what 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 are the things that really get you passionate? What are the things that might get you um, uh, uh, becoming a little outspoken uh, on 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 the things that you write?
2: Um, so I guess it's uh, it could be it depends on the day. <laughs> but no seriously um i think issues to do with women in particular young women as well so young women in the church young women in society um also issues to do with race and how that interacts with faith and just society in general Mm -hmm. and um I think those probably would be the main two, but I do speak I guess now that I've become a mum I speak a lot more about kind of issues to do with like family and like raising kids and that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, women, race, faith It's
0: just a it's just a whole lot of there's a lot of justice in there. You you've got a real kind of passion for justice, haven't you? And yeah. and um and also when when the, the Grenfell Tower Uh, tragedy happened uh, recently in London I know that you you were very kind of uh, outspoken and passionate then so I think you've got a real concern for for politics and also how we treat um, the people in our our society who aren't as wealthy and aren't so socially mobile and well off.
2: Yeah I think definitely community so I guess through our everything that i'm very passionate about community seems to be a very kind of prominent theme so that's how we look after each other how we look after those who might not have the same privileges as us and how we can just foster stronger and more supportive and more inclusive communities all around i think and do you, do you, do you think
0: sort of personally do you think the church the church as a whole is good at that or it should be good at that you should, that should be yeah. a great description of the I church mean,
2: I think historically we have been good at that. And even now I think we are still quite good at it. I just think that um, there are ways in which the dominant culture in terms of the inequality that is present in the dominant culture do seep into the church. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the issue lies because I think generally our faith is built on a sense of um, love and justice and community and, kind of caring for those who are not as fortunate as us is kind of the bedrock of Christianity, Mm. um, as well as the gospel, obviously. But um, I think sometimes the dominant culture, and I think the way that the church interacts with power structures can kind of taint Mm. the way that we interact with the world around us. So I think that's where we fall short sometimes.
0: Yeah, there seems to be a a challenge that sort of happens when... Churches get successful, and yeah. uh, and people become powerful or well known, or whatever. Suddenly, things start to change at that point, don't they?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just that's human nature. As soon as kind of power and hierarchy kind of come into the mix, it gets very sticky quite quickly.
0: And do you think uh, I'm going to be I'm going to provoke you now? But do you think <laughs> that's that's often a, a male kind of patriarchy issue? Is that, is that connected to the fact that we've got this male-dominated church? And certainly when you look higher up the church, it's, uh, it's full of blokes?
2: Yeah, I would say definitely that's part of it. Because I feel like if you've only seen the world from a certain position, it might be very hard for you to kind of consciously consider other points of views, other experiences. And that's not to say that it's always intentional, but I think that there are blind spots that when you have a kind of strictly male leadership, kind of strictly kind of patriarchal structure, there's always going to be blind spots, whether intentional or not. And that people are always going to slip through those cracks. So I think that's definitely a part of it.
0: And that also becomes sort of doubly true when you throw colour and ethnicity into the mix as well. Yeah. Um, because a yeah. lot of those leaders will be will be white um, yeah. men who would say, uh, as I've probably said in the past, you know, I'm not I'm not biased, uh, you know, by my <laughs> by my color and my and my gender. Yeah. Uh, but of course, of course, there's this, this thing of unconscious bias, isn't there? And and, and we yeah. heard a bit recently and I know you I've seen you tweet about this, a sort of unconscious privilege. Would you just sort of unpack what that means like how what does it mean that we are privileged and don't and maybe don't understand or know that
2: um so i think there's just the if you've always known what something is then it's hard to almost put a finger on it so like for example asking a fish who's always lived in water to explain what water is yeah they don't really know anything different apart from that so i think that's where unconscious privilege comes in in a sense where they people who have lived in certain kind of privileged positions whether that's because of their race their gender or just their economic status or even just where they live in the world and if you've always lived in this kind of privileged atmosphere it will be hard for you to differentiate that from just a normal everyday experience when you've got people who haven't had access to those privileges, who can kind of look and they'll see well you've had this you've had that and You've had things that I've not been afforded. And I think the issue comes when people can take that as a personal attack. Mm. And, I mean, sometimes it can be quite a passionate conversation yeah. because inequality and injustice is always going to be a passionate and personal conversation but I think the problem comes when people take that as a personal attack and a lot of the time it's not really it only becomes personal if you want to hold on to those privileges and you don't want to interrogate them and share them with other people so I mean it could I'm privileged from the point of view where I live in the UK where as as like hard as it can be sometimes, there are a lot of privileges that I'm afforded that I wouldn't have if I'd have stayed in Nigeria, for example, where I was born. So yeah. it's just kind of being aware of those things and I guess seeing how we can use our privilege as well to help those who don't have access to those same privileges.
0: Well, I, I, I find your voice really helpful in that. Uh, Jen Della and I don't find you uh, you are passionate but I don't find you judgmental uh, and I don't feel like I'm being god at but I think as a white uh, man uh, leading to some degree in, in the church I think it's incredibly helpful to, to engage with your voice so um, do, do you want just before we get on to the main thing we're going to talk about um, how do people kind of read your stuff and, and connect with you what's your website um so the
2: website's a great place to start it's just gendella.co.uk. so that's j-e-n-d-e-l-l-a.co.uk and there's links to everything that i'm doing from there
0: and then you should follow Gendella's twitter because it is often <laughs> a it's often the first place i go for uh, oh, for opinion on a major <laughs> a, a major international event that is a,
2: oh, uh, oh gosh i better start tweeting a bit more <laughs> But it is,
0: it's quite a good place it, it, honestly it's quite a good place for me to check my privilege so I, I find you very helpful, um, Jandella. and, and oh, I'm and, glad. So keep, keep doing what you're doing. So, um, so in terms of um, uh, the, the Young Motherhood project, that's where people may have heard uh, of you before and connected yeah. with you. There's now a book version of, uh, of the project, so you kind of published this exhibition in, in book form. So yeah. again, for those that don't know about it, this is something really uh, amazing that you, you did uh, a few years back now. Um, yeah. So so just tell us tell us about your engagement with um, Young Mums through this project.
2: Yeah, so the project is it's made up of a series of portraits and interviews, and um, there'll be some videos hopefully coming soon as well. And it's just me talking to young mums, or you might say former young mums, women who've had children in their late teens or early 20s, and just speaking to them about their real-life experiences. So in... A lot of Western cultures, but even in, not just in the West, actually, it's kind of prevalent all over the world, but um, there's this idea, or there are many different ideas as to why young women get pregnant, and it's often treated like an epidemic, like a Mm. disease, like something terrible that they've done, and they're going to ruin their lives, and their children are going to be horrible delinquents, etc., but... Coming from a place where I have friends who are young mums and who have had children at a young age, I knew that it wasn't true. And if Mm. you speak to anyone who does know a young mum personally, you'll find that they're they're like, well, that's not the mother that I know. Mm. But um, this kind of stereotype is so pervasive. It just won't shape no it seemed like no matter what you say it just seems to always be there Mm. so what i wanted to do was to challenge that narrative by talking to the women who are who have made this choice to have children at a young age themselves and just finding out the real story behind i guess the kind of tabloid scary headline
0: so um so what were some of the things that surprised you from um uh, meeting and and talking to these women that that maybe contrasted with the media perception of young mums?
2: Um, so, there's this idea that young women who have children younger are very promiscuous. And there are, um, I, can't, I can't even count how many, but there's a number of them who, it was their first serious relationship. They mm. were in a very serious relationship with the father of their child. It wasn't like a one night stand or a fling, it was kind of a relationship that they were emotionally invested in and due to sometimes it was a simple contraceptive failure sometimes it was a bit of naivety but they became pregnant and then they decided to have their child because they thought you know what I'm ready to become a mom. and that is it's just a simple story but that just seems to be in such contrast to what we're told about young moms, like mm. oh you know they're promiscuous, they're silly they're trying to trap young men or they're trying to do it for a council house or a flat well that's or the one else. isn't it?
0: that's the one that often comes up is the is yeah. that uh, women of a certain sort of, uh, you know, uh, in a certain economic group would uh, are yeah. just trying to grab a, a council house by doing that. And of course, those of us that work with young people know that that is a that is a very t- that's a tiny minority of cases that have been seized on by the the media yeah. where that might have happened. You know, a, just a handful of times and becomes yeah. the dominant narrative.
2: Yeah, it, it definitely does. And it's quite ridiculous because so many times I'll speak to someone and they'll be like, oh yeah, young mum who has had a baby to get a council house or whatever. And no, I haven't met someone yet who's been able to say, yes, I know a young woman who did that. Yeah. It just seems to be this kind of like urban legend that just <laughs> like, it's just there. It's just permanent, unfortunately.
0: Wow so um so tell us a little bit about the book and and kind of how you've evolved this thing now so it was an exhibition and yeah and now you've uh, you've switched it up into a, a, a book which people can order through your website
2: yeah you can get it through my website so um the book is the portraits of the women and their children and then it's just simply the um text from the interviews that I conducted with them. So I wanted to keep it as much in their voice as possible because I didn't want to interfere or kind of insert myself mm-hmm. into the into their stories in that way. So it's just me transcribing like twenty hours of um interview footage. Um, just them telling their stories so they're talking about everything from their experience of education to their experiences with relationships and um, family and how family have reacted their experience with their ambition and work and how it's changed what they want to do with their lives as well as just kind of the the response that they've had from their community healthcare professionals so it kind of really does cover I feel like it covers all of the potential questions that people have. It kind of covers it all, and they're kind—they're very candid, they're very open, and I'm really grateful because um, a lot of them were very willing to tell their stories, and they did it in like a very kind of frank, open, and honest way, talking about where they went wrong, and also talking about the joys that they found as well.
0: Mm. Now, you—I you, I saw you wrote a post uh, about this, and and you actually said that. You, you have a mix of emotions about the project as you look back on it, but one of them you mentioned was disappointment. Yeah. So what, what did you what did you mean by that?
2: Um, I think maybe it's me being young and ideal when I started this project, but I really felt like in a sense where, you know, as soon as people just know the truth, it'll be fine. You know, people will change their <laughs> yeah. minds. Like everything will be great. But I think through the course of doing this project, I've really come to understand that the myths and the stereotypes that we have, there's an actual purpose for them. Mm. Like politically, we need scapegoats. We need people to blame for mm. what's going wrong in a sense so that we don't focus on the people in power who could actually change things. So right now, in like with Brexit and everything that's kind of going on, like immigrants, migrants, they have become. Um, the scapegoat as to why the NHS is failing and why there's no money for this and why there's no money for that but then as this election has come around and obviously we've seen Theresa May digging her pockets to maintain like the money's there it's just that it's not being used to better the whole of society but we've been told that the money's not there because of young mums taking up all the benefits because of immigrants taking all the school spaces and all this kind of thing. So I think that there was a very strong realisation that these myths are there for a purpose and they maintain and in a sense they are maintained and they are upheld for a very political purpose and that's to deflect the blame and the scrutiny from where it really should be um kind of put and that's at our leaders, at our politicians, and at
0: the government. Well, you know, you're at it again, Jen. You see, you you have this. Uh, you have it. You just. I love your passion, and uh, and I love the fact that you, you just want to call the truth out all the time. So, uh, so I think it's, again, you know, a very prophetic uh, challenge. Just just that you're bringing there. Um, just this also kind of gives a bit of a challenge to youth workers as well, and to anyone working with young people. And and you know we will from time to time come across young people who have uh, become pregnant. Maybe they wanted to, maybe they, they didn't want to. There's then a real responsibility on us about how we, how we react and respond and how we walk alongside those, those girls, those young women um, when that happens. So I recently reconnected with a, a friend who was in my youth group and she became pregnant and it uh, wasn't intentional when we were at, um, uh, a youth group together and i remember watching uh, how the church responded to her and she had people saying stuff to her routinely in church like how could you be so stupid you know mm. why didn't you use protection things that are really quite ignorant and yeah. and just you know the the place you would expect <clears throat> to get love and support and unconditional love is the place you face the most judgment so so there's a real challenge to christians yeah, different definitely. And 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 to the church, really, to, to to step up. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we always have kind of high standards for ourselves, and and inevitably, we're never going to live up to them. But, but 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 practically, how can you well, you know, respond well to a, a young person who who comes to you and says, "Hey, um, I'm pregnant," and and hey, it's not something I. I was planning, but it's happened. What is the best way for a a youth leader to respond to that?
2: I think the most important thing is to find out what that young person wants to do and um, what they're thinking, where their emotions are at, where they are at. So rather than kind of... Sometimes when people present us with quote-unquote problems we're ready to bring the solution to fix it Mm. but we need to find out where that young person's like head is at what they want to do what their options are and um and kind of sit with them through that and not kind of being a sense of case now because you've messed up this is what we're going to do to fix it but I think we need to give young people the space to be able to make their own decisions and support them through that journey as well. So um, another thing that's just really simple, but one of the things that a lot of people said was that when they got pregnant, no one said congratulations. No one seemed happy for them when they made the decision that they wanted to keep their child. And especially in a church context as well, where a lot of people are pro-life that I feel like that should be one of the first (laughs) responses like if someone decides that they want to have a baby no matter what the circumstances that surround it we should be happy for them and because it's quite a big deal even if you want to have a baby when you actually find out that you are pregnant it is very. it's like it's life-changing it's kind of really dimension shifting so that kind of emotional support to kind of sit with them and be like you know what we're going to be on this journey together and I'm going to support you and I will be there for you if they need someone to take them to scams or if they just need someone to talk to like talk through their ideas or talk through their issues I think it's just being kind of open and ready to kind of support and I think that can make the difference a lot of the time because We speak, well, in terms of when we talk about teenage pregnancy, there's a lot of talk about, you know, outcomes and successes and people who drop out of school and that kind of thing. But the real reason why I think a lot of young women might not be quote unquote successful when it comes to completing their studies and whatever else is because the support isn't there for them to do that. Mm. So it's painted as if they don't have any ambition. That's why they dropped out of school. That's no, that's why they got pregnant and then they dropped out of school. But a lot of the time they really want to stay in school. They really want to stay in education. They want to stay in uni, but there's no kind of support network to allow them to do that. So I think, That that's a place where youth leaders can especially step in, especially if the family maybe are still reeling from the shock. You can be that kind of non-judgmental person who'll be like, okay, so you wanna get, you wanna finish your degree or you wanna finish your college, let's work out how we can do this and have the baby. You wanna do XYZ, let's work out what we can do to do that. So I think being supportive and just open and just being that kind of sounding board for their ideas and their fears and their
0: frustrations is so valuable that's super helpful Jendella and uh, and thank you again you know so much uh, so much help so much challenge uh, in the last uh, 15 20 minutes so so I really appreciate you uh, giving us your time um uh, just one more time your your website is jendella.co.uk and you can find out there about the young motherhood project and also the book which is out now Thank you, Jendela, for coming on the Youthscape Podcast. We really appreciate you.
2: Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much.
0: The Youthscape Podcast.
1: I love Jendela's heart for capturing voice of the girl who's pregnant mm. and capturing her story and I think she is so right when she says that probably yeah like like other things that young people go through but particularly pregnancy when a teenage girl becomes pregnant she becomes the pregnant teenager yes, that's and right. everything gets filtered through that and that happens both in terms of the health care that's provided and the decisions made around safeguarding around education suddenly this becomes mm. the sole focus and there is so much that we do need to do to help teenage girls understand the nature of pregnancy and I remember one teenage girl who became pregnant and she just never understood that breasts are about breastfeeding and so lots of work had to be done around that, that's really helpful really practical, but she is more than just being a pregnant woman, Mm -hmm. there's so many other things going on as well and uh, I remember taking the same girl to Orton Towers before we realised that she was so heavily pregnant, she couldn't go anywhere her so she was like, "Ah!" so her and I disappeared somewhere else, but I think it's so important isn't it to be always acknowledging that we are more than the one thing that people often Look at I love that about Gendela. She's, yeah, yeah. she's and so insightful. There's
0: another. There's another thing, just to just to widen ourselves a little bit, because before that interview, you and I were talking very much about pregnancy, teenage pregnancy, in the context of a Christian youth yeah, group. Yeah,
1: church basically. But of course, Gendela yes. uh,
0: has has met many young mums. Who some of many of whom have chosen yes. to be pregnant, and I think Christian youth work has still got to have something to say mm. to those young people who might mm. be might be the first time you meet them through a mums and toddlers group or something. Mm. I mean that's a that's a, a mindset shift, isn't it, for youth work?
1: Oh, and could, could we, can we just hold that thought because how many young mums feel completely? Isolated in a yeah. mums and toddlers church, yeah, absolutely. You so you're absolutely right. Those of us that are running these spaces and in and in these spaces need to be thinking very differently. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so we can connect. I mean, maybe some of us have never thought about the fact mm. that there are teenagers coming to your mums and toddlers group who you, as the youth worker, actually have something to say to and should yeah, be connecting with. Yeah. We just think because we think they're kind of accelerated adults. Yes,
1: yeah, so they've come out of that. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. but
0: but they're not. They're still teenagers, and they still actually have the same needs, and they need social time and that sort mm. of thing. And and it it requires a lot of care and thought because uh, you know like your friend at Alton Towers you know post birth someone's got to hold the baby so they can go on the roller coaster so they, they they actually need a lot of support just to be able to come and be part of a youth group and actually as much as possible one of the greatest gifts that we can give to to young mums I would say is to help them still hold on to a bit of their teenage experience even once they've had a child, they're still only 17 or 16, mm. they, they actually should still be able to do that so
1: stuff. interesting. I, I'm just thinking now, back to these conversations with this particular teenage girl who I walked with very closely, and and I think the thing that I hadn't predicted that she would face was, she's had her baby, she's 15 years old, um, all the professionals are in place, home life is a bit more sensible and, and safe for her, but actually she has changed. Mm. So even when somebody was babysitting and she went out with her friends for the evening, she found it really hard to connect into that because actually her life is different. She mm. does have different priorities. She will be up most of the night feeding this baby. She is thinking about where to get money for the buggy mm. from. And mm. and I think that that's very difficult because it's almost a, a no man's land. Still a teenager, still wants to access all of that. But actually... Just suddenly life is so radically different mm, from... And I think mm. that, that I think was in many ways, psychologically the most painful thing for her. The rest was obvious, childbirth, yeah, yeah, all yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. But this she hadn't anticipated. So I think, I think you're right. They're not accelerated out to teenage years um, falsely, but on one level in terms of the emotional world they're inhabiting. Actually they have more, mm, uh, but they don't mm, have more in common mm. with older mums. So yeah. That's right. So I, I remember when I, we, we had our little daughter... So I'm in my late 30s going to mums and toddlers, and I connected way more with the 15-year-olds with the babies because I felt I've suddenly adopted this child. I have Mm. no idea what the heck I'm doing. She was the same. I was like, should we buddy up together? And it was amazing that actually for me, I found quite a lot of support from the 16, 15 year fifteen-year-olds girls and the mums. I families. can't imagine
0: you connecting very well with <laughs> women in their late 30s, early 40s. Like. Well I just didn't want to talk about breastfeeding
1: and do you know what, teenage mums don't want to talk about endlessly about breastfeeding no. and I didn't want to either because I wasn't breastfeeding so it was so nice to have that space. So I think you're absolutely right, we need to see these public spaces a lot differently mm. um, and, and Sunday school and church youth groups and all that kind of stuff what does a church youth group look like when you've got a baby in there as
0: well? So I think one thing that would be really interesting would be to ask for a bit of feedback here so if actually you're listening to this and you've walk this journey and it's gone really well, I think I'd love to we'd yeah. love to hear from you. So yeah. uh, the email address is is uh, podcast at youthscape.co.uk. I'd love to hear some stories yeah. of, of churches engaging with this really well. Yes. And not just paint this as a because it is happening really. Well. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're and supporting
1: well. the dads as well. Yes. Absolutely. Because I think that's an, a whole area that we don't often talk about, isn't it? But there's a teenage warrior or a guy somewhere who is often feeling quite powerless yeah. the decision is out of his hands and maybe sometimes his family are encouraging him to step away from the decision and maybe he mm-hmm. wants to be involved a bit more so what is his role Yeah.
0: now I don't want to uh, lose Jendela from this conversation because she, she is amazing Yeah. and, uh, and I, I, I mentioned it a few times in the interview but I, I do look to her quite yes. a lot just to, to see where my biases are because I often will go to her Twitter account or her, her blog or something and go, oh gosh, I had totally not realised mm. my privileges in this mm-hmm. in this situation. I think it's really helpful. But she's amazing. She's a, a real activist, filmmaker, photographer, does all these things, great writer. Um, I, I wonder how we raise young people yes. like Jendela.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do we what, just have what to get her to mentor say? them all. We, yeah, absolutely.
0: That's your new job, Jendela. Yeah. You're mentoring all the teenagers.
1: But that is such a good question, isn't it? Because... You cannot put a fire in somebody. <laughs> like,
0: mm.
1: mentoring is so key. But actually, what you see in someone like Jane Della is, I, I mean, I'd love to hear from her who were the key people in her life that released them. Mm. I'm, I'm mm. sure she has got people that she she points to. But there's something in her that this is her. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. something innately in her that listens to the news, watches stuff and goes, well, actually, that's not okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and, and how do we spot that? Because spotting that in young people is quite a raw thing. Yes, it yeah. wouldn't always be the polished thing that we are when we're in our twenties and thirties. What does yeah, it look like in a yeah, thirteen-year-old when they yeah. when they're raging?
0: Yeah, well, what does absolutely, rage against yeah. the machine
1: looks like. Yeah, because
0: she is she is sort of she is righteous anger. That that is her, her, yeah. her, her one of her strongest characteristics, and uh, and it comes from this slight a uh, bit just clarity with which to see the world. So she's she's uh, inspired me living in quite a middle class context and working with really privileged uh, teenagers uh, Rachel producer Rachel Reg- just <laughs> smashing the studio she's up just in the background around. I think mean, she are gets you, bored when we're wittering yeah, on yeah
1: she's, she's an activist that's why she, she, is. A- she is I don't know how we get her to sit still for a whole morning she wants to be out there changing the world. She you loves, can, you can do in a minute.
0: She's, she's already changed oh the world. Oh, gosh, she's amazing. Anyway, she's my amazing. thread is somewhere here. Yeah. Um. But but work, you know... Yeah. I live in an area where um, young people just are being... They've they're sort of got this... Uh, is it what you call it? Amniotic fluid? Is that what you call it? They're sort yeah. of... They're, they're growing up in this, uh, this, this bubble mm-hmm. of privilege mm-hmm. where they just don't know mm-hmm. how much they have. It's normalised having... A car, you know, the, the local grammar school kids, dr- seventeen years old, driving an driving Audi. Driving a car,
1: goodness.
0: You know, drive, driving a fifty thousand yeah. pound car. Gosh. You know, um, that this is normalised yeah. in the place where I where I live. And, so uh, how
1: do you challenge that? Well, exactly. That? What
0: do you do? Exactly. How do you challenge that? I mean, um, I you know, my house isn't worth as much as that car, mm. but um, but ultimately, I just become the sort of outlier, the slightly mm. slightly freakish outlier in the small house. Mm. But um, but but you have to, from a young age, my children. We talk all the time. We go for walks around the neighbourhood to and look at the big, big houses. Do you point and I say, "This isn't normal." <laughs> right. I'd yeah. like that house, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. no, no, I don't do that. But um, but I say, "This isn't normal, mm. kids." You know, they they come home from school and they say, "Oh, my friend's going to mm. you know um, Bali for a week yeah. for in in half term." I'm like, "Kids, we're going we, to Bogna We're going to the park." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. We're going to the swings. Like, I love Bogdan, I can't say. Bogner's great. Yeah.
0: Um but uh, but but I think it's so I think it starts earlier. Yeah. I think it starts in, in childhood. The resistance. Yeah, yeah, and you have to say this isn't normal, this isn't right. You know, the fact that everyone here is white is not normal. Mm-hmm. This is a multicultural country. Mm-hmm. Um and, and just I think from the from the earliest age, pre teenage actually, explaining this stuff away is probably yeah. the only answer I have
1: well you mentioned outliers and of course Malcolm Gladwell has written a book called Blink yeah and it's a fascinating book and one of the things he talks about is challenging our conscious mm. racism or our conscious entitlement mm. but he talks about our unconscious entitlement that we just yeah. don't realise that we have That's and it's it. because we've grown up in environments where all the social cues around us say this is what reality is and he and he said he did these tests and he kept coming up as incredibly racist and he is someone of dual heritage so yeah, that really course, upset yeah, him yeah. Um, but he said the one thing that actually changes the unconscious discrimination or entitlement that we feel is to expose ourselves to communities where we where it's, it's different yeah. and I, I came away thinking that is what the body of Christ is and should be yes. that yes. these are communities that we are all ages all ethnicities, yes. all social backgrounds yes. and there's no other reason that we'd hang out together apart from the fact that we're all God's kids yeah. and yeah. and I think what maybe some of the stuff recently in the news particularly on Grenfell and others have shown us is that actually if we don't understand this in a visceral level we need to be getting ourselves in places where we can be exposed to what real life is like and that onus is on us let's not look to the news yeah. to inform us yeah. let's actually say who am I hanging out with what's my social life look like how can I shift gears I'm actually Living differently, Um, and I think that transforms us,
0: doesn't it? Well, so my absolute uh, hero (laughs) is Della. I know she is one of my heroes. I love her. But um, uh, one of my heroes is a a chap called uh, Brian Stevenson, and he is a uh, well, right? He's the author (laughs) of a book called Just Mercy, which is my favourite book of the last few years, and you should all get it and read it. And he is a uh, uh, a death row lawyer, essentially, uh, working out of Alabama, and he set up a a uh, project to try and get wrongly convicted, cool. mainly black men, off of death row. And he succeeded with... He's really... He saved mm. lives. He's, he's um, turned around absolute miscarriages of justice. And he's written this book called um, Just Mercy. And in it, one of the key principles he talks about is if you want to see uh, justice issues change, then you have to get approximate to them. Ah, so brilliant. You, Love Proximity it. is... Is um is the key, is the first key. You can't change the world from, from the, the ivory tower. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You can't do it. So if you want to see communities change, this is what the message trust and and many others like them have found. If you really want to see communities change, you have to move into them. You have and to all live these youth workers them. listening
1: to this podcast, exactly. so many have done exactly so proximity that. proximity yeah.
0: is key, and yeah. I think that also goes for young people. Yeah. Um, is we have to we have to get them approximate to yeah. the uh, to the justice issues that they they then they are naturally passionate activists and they they explode once you you kind of get mm. them there so um, so that's my you know that's the one thing I've always beautiful
1: so always we need to say we love you and goodbye to all these dear folks in this podcast but that's a beautiful leaving thought isn't it that Jesus to on flesh and moved into the neighbourhood mm-hmm. and for so many of us and for you listening maybe that has been a geographical move maybe you mm-hmm. are somewhere where it is costing you and actually maybe that is just a real affirmation to you today proximity matters and, and you you know you're doing it and that's beautiful and today just know god's blessing as you get up close and personal to the stuff in young people's lives that is so powerful we love you and we'll speak to you again next week
0: The Youthscape podcast is always free, but if you'd like to support us, find us on patreon.com slash youthscape. We're not very good at this.